Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Another episode of the Dope Black Woman podcast. I'm Leanne Levers, one of the co-founders of Dope Black Woman. And today we have two amazing, amazing Dope Black Women with us. I want to welcome Danny Mosley and Nicole Sawyer. Thanks for joining me, ladies. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. us. <laughs> we nice the same thing. <laughs> This is actually a really exciting episode for anyone who knows me. They know that I absolutely adore the theater. It's like one of my favorite things to do is go to the theater, watch some amazing plays and just art and acting and creativity in general is something I'm incredibly envious of because it's a talent that I don't have. So I enjoy consuming as much art as humanly possible. <laughs> and I um, and Danny and Nicole are both actresses. Danny, I know for a while now from Brothers With No Game, Dreaming Whilst Black. Um, Nicole, you have done BBC, you've done the theater. So you've both been kind of doing this for a while, right? Yeah, I feel like a lot. A long time. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I know in the in the Viola Davis world, really, I have not. But in my life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, it is a long game. I feel like being in this world for the long haul is the m- most beneficial. Because the longer you're in it, the more you'll understand the world, the mm. more you'll understand yourself as an actor and as yeah. an artist. But yeah, I mean, I've I've been acting for six years so for me that feels long but then comparing it to you know I've been doing it for nearly (laughs) Danny (laughs) I've been doing it for nearly 15 oh my god that's professionally and how did you both get started I mean uh, Danny let's start with you because you've been doing this for as you just said Mm. 15 years that's a long time so you must have started quite early out what was even and I don't know if this differs for both of you but what was the even the impetus for you to say this is what I want to do the short version <laughs> is that I've I've wanted to be an actor since I was like eight years old, but I and but my only reference was someone like Julia Roberts. So I was like, how does a black girl from Catford get to Julia Roberts? Doesn't really happen. So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Well, that's that's a dream because to me, I had a distinction between what my ambition was and what my dream was. And my dream was to be a world-renowned actor, and my ambition was to be a successful person in the creative industry which mm. aka means someone behind the screen so an exec producer or someone like that so I was just like well I don't know how I would get to Julia Roberts place so mm. I guess I'll go on this exec producer route and I remember when I wanted to go to 
um, I wanted to go to Brit school when I was 14 because uh, one of my other friends was, was going to go. My mum was just, and she said no. And I was like, well, my mum thinks I'm terrible. She thinks I'm the worst actor in the world. Why did I ever think I was good enough to do that? I'll just pack all this acting Aww. in. Yeah. And then I went to, so I went to college. I went to university and did producing film. And then I was working at um, a production house and doing voiceovers and was meeting all these amazing people um, as a receptionist. And, was, and I'm a Virgo, so I write my whole life plan of how it's going to go exactly. <laughs> and I tick every box off. And I'm like, of course that's happened. That's so Virgo, so Virgo. Yeah, like I'm just like, this is my life. And generally everything I wanted, I got, but I didn't understand back then about manifesting and I was just a very good manifester. Yes, I put the work in and yes, I had skill set and talent mm. and the knowledge for it, but I also was very good at if I had, if I made a decision that I was going to do something, it was going to happen. So then I was working in this production house, then there was a recruitment freeze and they weren't pushing everyone up. And I was like, this is long. I don't want to do this. Like I'm better than being a receptionist. Not saying that reception isn't a good job, but for me at that time, I was like, I'm done with this. And in the production house, we had people like Ewan McGregor, Madonna, Dustin Hoffman, Dandy Newton come in and do like voiceovers and stuff. And I was in the receptionist and I was talking to Ewan McGregor and he was just like, so what's, what's the dream? And I was like, mm, exec producing. And he was like, what was the pause about? And I was like, well, you know, just, he was like, I, I asked you what the dream was. And I was like, well, I mean, the dream is an actor, but how many people say that to you? And he was like, okay, cool. So well, what's stopping you? Why are you not doing that? And I was like, well, cause how does that happen? And then, yeah, at the time I was, um, in my early 20s and he was like look I'd say if you really want to do this give it to your 30 and if it doesn't work out by the time you're 30 you'll be young enough to do something else okay so I was like okay cool thinking hmm. yeah whatever but then like I said we had the recruitment freeze and then I applied to this acting convention in Paris and it was a certain amount of money that on the job I was doing I couldn't afford so then I was like I think I'm gonna go for this because it was around the time that there was like um you know was it the Lehman Brothers but there was like a whole recession in 2008 Mm, and nothing yeah. was moving and then I was like so I got this acting mission in Paris and I was like I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go for this I'm gonna do it so I remember having this conversation with my mom sitting there sweating and she was like what's wrong with you and I was like I've got to tell you something but I don't know how to tell you and she was like are you pregnant and I was like no of course that would be what she would think <laughs> right and I was like okay and then she was like are you on drugs and I was like oh my god can I just tell you she goes well what's wrong with you I don't understand and I was like I want to be an actor and she was like oh right okay what's and she goes well I was confused why you didn't go to drama school and I was like because you think I'm a terrible actress and she was like no I never I never said that and I was like uh, I wanted to go to Brit school and you said no and she was like no I knew what daughter I had and I knew that you were the best person at your school and then you were going to go into a class full of best creatives in a class and she just said competitively you weren't that child it would have swallowed you and you would have lost yourself and I didn't want that for you and I was like wow couldn't say that 14 but okay and she was like would you really have heard me and I was like, well, there yeah. um, and then, yeah, then I went to the acting convention in Paris, got an agent from Wales, came back. And then from 2009, I've been doing this. So wow. that's a crazy story. And it's it, it <laughs> so interesting to me how our parents know us better than we know ourselves sometimes. Right. Because it's so annoying. Yeah. It's really, really annoying. Wouldn't, you really wouldn't have listened to her had had that been the case. I would have tried to convince her and be like, that's not true. And But she was right. She was right. I, just, I would have, I would have gone into myself, and knowing what some people have told me from going to Brit school, it was very like people singing in the cafeteria and dancing on the tables. Not all the time, but like <laughs> you know, it was very much that. And I would have just been like, later. That's yeah. not me. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Danny, um, I mean, Nicole, how does that match up with your story? Like, 
coming in yeah. at little. Do you know what? Some of this, there are some similarities that I'm like, wow, that's mad. But some, some of them have just come from different, um, different angles. So I started being, I guess I was like, I've always a performer as a young person. Like when I was little being, I don't know, five, six years old, I would always talk to random people. Mom used to be like, Nicole, stop speaking to all these random people, man. <laughs> like, I, I used to like speak to the security guard and then like sing and be like, did you like it? Did you like it? Yeah. Mm. So I was always that person who wanted to be performing. Um, and I think my mom obviously could see that. And she took me to dance classes. Me and my sister used to go to like local dance school. Um, and just yeah we did it after school like once a week or whatever my sister was an amazing dancer actually she was really good um and then you know when you go to school and you get older and you're a teenager it's not cool to do that um so I stopped and you know I started being a teenager as you are you know <laughs> talking to boys and drinking underage and all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> um and you know obviously not telling your parents about any of that and you know sneaking out and all of this stuff I was quite rebellious actually um and only now I'm realizing where that comes from you know through like my own self-work and stuff like that but um yeah so as I stopped though I remembered feeling like something was missing whenever I stopped doing those extra after school youth club mm. drama stuff like I always felt like something was missing all the time whenever I stopped and I I guess for me it was that like social and me and Danny were kind of talking about school days just before this but like mm. that social pressure of wanting to be cool and wanting to be the person that sort of blends into whatever's the normal in society at the time and that was just be like you know cool look good you know hold face like you know nothing creative is that cool and you know at that time I was into all of these different films and I used to watch quite a lot of horror and I used to you know like to listen to musicals and stuff and that wasn't cool you know at school so um but I always felt like that was missing. So anyway, I decided to do like Amdram stuff with like a few people in the local community. And that was really good. And it's funny because like quite a lot of us now and all of us from, you know, that era, we're all black and we're all working. So it's great. <laughs> so it's nice to see people like growing, Amazing. growing into their craft. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. And then after that, I remember talking to my uncle, which is quite a similar conversation that you had, Danny, with you and McGregor. Um, <laughs> he was talking to me of like, you know, so what do you want to do? What, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, you know, I don't know, like kind of do something to do with performing arts. I don't know. I must have been like 15 at the time. And he was like, what do you mean something to do with performing arts? I d that's not, uh, that doesn't really, that's not ringing for me. I don't get it. What do you mean? And I was like, well, I don't know, maybe like, do like the stage design or costumes and, and he was like but it doesn't it doesn't add up and there was that hesitation and I didn't know how to 
say that I wanted to be an artist or that I am an artist I always sort of knew that but saying it out loud was another story so I sort of had that encouragement from him and from like my family too to own that um and that is a journey for me so then after that I went and took it a little bit more seriously and studied A-levels. I did like drama, uh, drama A-level, and then I did like um, dance A-level, English Lit and Psychology. So I was always interested in like the human condition. Um, and then like after that, I was just, I remember that time was just a bit mad because I was working at a call center I was doing A-levels and then I was going to identity drama school like twice a week. So that was in Dalston. And then my sixth form was in Mill Hill. And then I was working in a call center in like Watford. So I was just like running around like a headless chicken at that time, but it didn't feel like that. But when I look back on it, I'm like, damn, I was like, I was really grinding. And then after that, I thought to myself, I'd like to try and apply for full-time drama school. And I remember my, one of my teachers from Identity, she was like, if you give me five pound, I'll help you with your speeches. And I was like, okay. I literally (laughs) like gave her five pounds, she helped me. And then um, after that, I got into art said drama school. And yeah, for me, that was an experience. It was, I definitely needed to go because I needed to feel that confidence, that self-esteem, and that that sort of gave me a little bit of validation. Um, and I needed that at that time. Um, but I think the social side to it, that I saw the dancing on the tables, I saw the, singing, <laughs> the happy birthday and harmonies and all of this, and I was just like, oh, wow, no. this is just not my world yeah. <laughs> at all, like, at all. Um, but yeah, doing the acting course, for me, that was something that really, really gave me quite a lot of tools that I needed and that I still use now. Um, but yeah, the social side to it was different, like so different. I, I got into drama school on a scholarship, so I didn't actually pay for those fees, which were ridiculous, like <laughs> crazy, crazy money. Um and you know that's just not my world at all so sort of being introduced to that world at 18 it was a big culture shock um you know I wasn't I think there was only me and two other girls who were black in my year that was it Um, you know I, I had to really find my voice during that time um and I'm still finding it now but yeah and and also another thing when Danny is saying about <laughs> wanting to do something and having tunnel vision that is definitely me if I want to do something it's happening it's happening I don't it doesn't matter how it's just happening <laughs> I guess I call myself more of an artist now um rather than an actor because I'm finding that that creative I don't know that creative uh I don't know what the word is like urge is just it's innate for me I have to do it it's just something that I need to do um yeah so that's sort of my little journey (laughs) I was gonna pick up on that actually because both of you I feel like 
and many other actresses that I know also kind of broaden their scope in terms of calling themselves creatives. And mm -hmm. there are so many art forms that you can express yourself through. And is, do you think that's important as someone who does acting, that you have these other art forms to kind of express yourself in different ways? Does, do you think it makes you a better actress or is it because, you know, what's the, what's the, or is it just that you need to find other avenues because acting is, is just one and you, you feel like you can go beyond that? Mm, I think I it's a bit of both. Of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. It's all of them. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Like being able to add more strings to your bow is helpful because it will open more avenues for you to make money mm. from being an artist. But also it helps you broaden your understanding of what it is to be a, a human being. Like if you're only doing one art form like you could I mean it depends really it depends because if you're doing something that you know that you want to practice every single day and you're going to be a master at it then that's that's an amazing thing in itself but also you might want to make a film and you might be able to record direct uh, sorry not record um dop it direct it write it act in it so it just depends on on the individual i would say um but i definitely think it's a bit of both yeah and i agree i'm yeah. i mean i am an actor a writer and, and a voiceover artist and yeah. i do facilitation but if you're if someone was to if you know holistically spiritually is going to ask me you know what you know, what your purpose is why you're here i'm a storyteller Mm. that's what I am I'm a storyteller and I'm here to tell stories to help create positive change so that people see hear feel my work and engage with it and either see a life that they're like wow I'm not alone the fact that you're retelling this story and I can connect with it, it means I'm not alone on this journey and actually uh, there's a way out of whatever I'm going through or you know there's mm. a similar path or people will see here and feel the work that I do and be like oh my gosh that's Jennifer from the office, she acts like that. Oh, is she going through that? Is that potentially what's going for her at home? Or oh, next time when I see her, I'll be a bit more compassionate and understanding mm -hmm. of why it is that she's maybe acting like that. So that's mm -hmm. how I, that's what I feel that A, it's a thing of, you know, we got to eat and we've got to pay bills. So yeah. having multiple other streams of income, it's helpful, but also it's just like, well, if I can't tell the story this way, then I'm going to tell it that way. Like I'm going to tell the story in some form that people understand and get to hear it because we live in a world that some people just don't yeah so if we can find other forms to do that then why not you know yeah for sure do you think that that's part of being a black actress specifically i'm thinking about i was watching that viola davis and oprah interview i don't know if you guys have watched it but one of the stories <laughs> that she told was this story about she went to this casting i think and she was talking about uh you know everybody was uh, they were giving a speech essentially and they were asked to raise their hand and then as they uh, they were asked to raise their hand to say you know who wants to be an actor and everybody raised their hand and then as the person started talking about what it took to be an actor or what it took to be a creative the hands started to drop yeah 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 yeah, yeah. she yeah. talked about that in the book yeah and 
And it's crazy to me because I think we all think of acting and being a creative as this kind of lofty aspiration where it's just all good times and all fun. And but it's a really difficult craft. And as you said, you kind of have to diversify, especially I would assume as a black actress, because the opportunities are less. And so I, I kind of want you to talk a little bit more about what being a black actress specifically looks like, um, whether it's in TV or in theater or um, on film, because, you know, you've done all three, pretty much you've done various art forms or various uh, forums of acting. So do you think that that, that diversification of your work is important as a black actress specifically? Because I don't know many white actresses or actors that have those kinds of stories either. Mm. It's def I mean, we've both, again, um, me and Akam have both been in situations where your blackness is a thing and there's been situations where I've been in spaces where it's not even that I've had to hold my tongue it's just that I've been muted that's mm -hmm. how I feel I feel like this is what the establishment has decided this is what we're doing and all the other white actors like yeah yeah that sounds like a great idea yeah yeah and I'm like what really did okay because again you're otherwise you're always going to be that oh Danny's put another hand again oh she's not happy with something do you know what I mean there's that mm. that happens but it's just like yeah but if you're not if I feel like you're not being uh uh not, I, and even using the word diverse I'm just like listen if you if you're just not working for everybody in the room and you're yeah. working for some people in the room and again it's difficult because when you are of one race or of one class or whatever and it makes sense to you I just, I think I have difficulty being in spaces where people don't even consider yeah, what it might like be for others. But then I'm also the aware that you don't know that you need to consider because it's never come into your experience to bother to consider. Mm -hmm. So why would you? But mm -hmm. then it also becomes, because it's so much one way sometimes, and a lot of, especially when you go up in the establishment, if I've done grassroots theater or shows, generally we're all different so we're all able to be open and be like oh okay cool that's what it's like for you okay cool but when you move up in the establishments and the, it starts to get slightly watered down in race and gender and um yeah. class then it starts to be you go like oh that's what you think wow okay um that's not how everyone else thinks but you but these people are gatekeepers in the sense of they're the ones like yeah this is what people want to watch on tv and you're like is it? Is it though? I mean, it was <laughs> it was twenty years ago. No, if it is. Yeah, it's not that anymore. And the <laughs> whole reason why this show has done so well online is because we're speaking to the people and they know what we're talking about. So when we then bring it to you and you want to change that, mm. I don't think you need to do that. I think we, I think we got it. Yeah. I think we're good. <laughs> but again, they've got to have some sort of ownership on it, and it is very. It's it's it reminds me of like when um. Uh, John Boyega uh, said his speech when he was doing the Black Lives Matter and he was like I'm probably never going to work after this again because yeah. he's speaking out for what he rightly yeah. should be speaking out for and yeah. I feel that I feel like there are establishments that I haven't had the best experience with but I can't say because Danny wants to eat and Danny yeah. wants to be in those establishments again and not just to um get stuck there and just for the for the exposure of it but to change it because if I get in there and become an established person there then I can start to have those conversations like yeah we need to stop doing that that's not cool mm -hmm. 
and bringing in other people, my peers, people younger than me, and start changing those things and start changing those attitudes mm. so that the next person doesn't have to go through that awkward muted feeling. Mm. Yeah, you know, definitely, I can completely identify with that. Um, I've definitely had experiences where I've been in the room, in a rehearsal room, and I am questioning what the heart of this project is for. I like the the if you don't have the heart to be able to deal with black stories and also work with black actors with the sensitivity, the understanding, the empathy. Um, and this is white people, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, the, <laughs> there is no point that I, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I cannot work with people that don't have that understanding anymore because I've been in situations to the extreme and I've had, I, like, there's one thing about me is that I will tell you, <laughs> I will tell you if there's something that I don't align with or that I don't agree with, or I will pull you up about it. Um, and, you know, obviously doing it in a professional way and, you know, doing it so that you're not throwing hands and all of that stuff, but like you're wanting to constantly let, everybody know that you exist and yeah. you just showing up and you just doing your job and you doing an amazing job sometimes is not enough for people mm. and I constantly find myself having to protest to tell people that I'm here and that I'm existing and that there is a level of sensitivity that needs to be um that needs to be established when you're working on certain stories and sometimes those stories don't even necessarily you know they don't have the subject matter of like of black trauma it might be something that is for black joy but it's also about understanding how intricate our stories are and how detailed they are and having that level of understanding. And sometimes being in establishments, cause I've worked at some amazing theater companies, um, but then at the same time, and also drama school as well was definitely an example of that. And that opened my eyes when I was, yeah, 18, yeah, almost 10 years ago now. Like you have to constantly remind people you have to constantly remind people that you're here. <laughs> I'm here, you know, yeah. but you know, you, you cannot actually say that. If you said that in another setting, that wouldn't be okay. Um, you know, yeah. And, and I do often feel exhausted by it because totally, I, me just showing up and doing my job is one thing that you get paid for. But I don't get paid for um, pulling up companies and establishments. I don't get paid for that. Um, and I don't get paid to tell much older or more established companies or directors or producers how they should be navigating 
in their workplace. I don't get paid for that. So mm. for me, that feels like part of me is like, this is not my job. I don't need to do this. But then another part of me is like, well, this kind of very similar thing to what Danny was saying. If I say something, then that will give whoever is coming after me younger or just a different company or whatever it will give that person insight onto how they should conduct themselves mm. in the next project that they do so there's there's that constant like teetering on that level of I'm so exhausted to I'm so mad to <laughs> yeah. I actually need to do something because I'm thinking of you know what the next generation or you know the next company are going to experience so yeah <laughs> what does that shift actually look like i mean i know we talk about the importance of having um you know more black people behind the camera in addition to in front of it and mm -hmm. having that, those kind of institutional changes but like on a day-to-day -day level when you're going on set or when you're going into uh you know a rehearsal what does that actually feel like and look like to to have to make those excuse me you can't talk to me like that or you know uh, maybe we should try it this way like how do you take how do you how do you have a voice in those spaces i can only really speak for myself or my own experiences um but also understanding how other people have also done that and there's a similarity there is your instinct Mm. understanding your instinct understanding your intuition is something that I'm learning more and more especially over the last like two or three years like listening to that and knowing if you can't go to sleep at night or if you're feeling anxious before you're walking into that space that isn't something that's normal yeah not so, that's not a workplace that you should be going into really mm. and if that is how you're feeling each time you walk into the rehearsal room or each time you're speaking to the director then listening to that is probably the first step because you're like okay I'm anxious or I feel something doesn't sit right with me or I'm still thinking about that thing that that person said to me two days ago and I can't sleep because I'm or I'm watching how you know I, I don't feel like I can ask these questions or listening to that is the first step I mean at the moment they've got like drama therapists and wellness practitioners in theatre which I think is a step in the right direction but then also understanding the consequences of that there's not really, I mean, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be that many consequences right now for people that mm. aren't conducting themselves and should be conducting themselves. Yes. It's more just like, we'll call them out and that's it. <laughs> yeah, we've done, we've done, we've ticked that box. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, we ticked that box and, and that should satisfy everybody. Um, so that's one thing I would say, but yeah, I guess the instinct and understanding that and just using your voice, like it's easier said than done because you're a very small fish in a very big pond. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also finding though, that when your voice is being used and you're sharing it with others, actors, especially we talk, 
so yes we do we all I also have felt never felt so held in my community as an actor and as an artist than I have when I've spoken up about stuff because I feel so supported mm. from those other creatives and artists so I think it's sharing it is something and in your own whatever way you want to um but sharing it so that you don't feel alone when those things happen a situation happens and you think that was off key I think that was down to because I'm a, a black woman I suppose and then you get the whole but was it though mm. you know sure it just isn't just the situation it just happened that it was you as a, and you're like please know that I've been black since I was born so <laughs> I do know I can tell and maybe it's that you can't tell mm, yeah. and you haven't had to worry about that and I genuinely feel in this lifetime I feel as a black as black creatives we're unknowingly activists like we didn't yes. necessarily ask to be that but I think it's almost like and whatever you know faith or creed you believe in it's like yep you're gonna you're gonna have to come here as a black woman and you're gonna have to deal with that because you yeah. can deal with that but it's also just like obviously you feel like why why do I have to deal yeah. with this? why can't it be I someone need- else <laughs> why can I just come in and be a middle-class white woman and just cry and get why 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 can't I do that and then I'm like well maybe do you know what maybe the last time I did maybe the last last time I did I don't know but in this one Danny here you are so <laughs> let's go Let's this do is it. what you've got this is the plate that you have yeah and you can do it and you can yeah. do it and yeah. it's and you know we've had conversations in the past very much through Black Lives Matter about the strong black woman trope and yeah. the whole thing of, oh God, yeah. if you have this it was a it was a positive because all we had was being highly sexualized and fetishized and you know being angry but then what came with being a strong black woman is that no one checked on you mm-hmm. everyone was like oh you got this like having Black Lives Matter and then having to have my white friends cry to me and me just being like um really yeah Yeah. now you're crying about the stuff that I go through every day yeah you're crying to me okay and then again me having to take that on and I guess it's boundaries and I guess it's what we've set up and don't get me wrong I think I I was brought up in that way of being a strong black woman and I've continued that but it's still just like it takes its toll and when we go through this every day it's not like just certain jobs it's like when we go to the restaurant when we go mm-hmm. to buy a ticket when we go on holiday when we go to a club like we're mm-hmm. always black yeah we're always women we're always having to deal with things even in relationships with men like mm-hmm. weird people just having things like because I'm black and I've got natural hair they assume that I'm vegan and that I'm yoga it's like what I'm sorry what like just just weird things weird things and I'm just like "Mm, I don't know where that representation came from and then you always want into you never want to let down your black female community you never want to do that you always want to uphold you always want to you know make sure that you're supporting but then it's it's tiring yeah yeah just like can I just can I have a week off can't, oh no I can't no you're right because I've just stepped out the house and someone's just given me a look because I didn't do something that they wanted and they've yeah. judged me as a black woman okay so yeah. back oh. on but also in, in the concept in the context of acting and make mm. and making choices about the roles that you're taking on how does that feature because then do you do you reject the, the amazing opportunity to play this role because it feeds into that trope that you 
have to navigate every single day of your life or do you I will always yeah. when I go into auditions I will always ask questions okay I I don't I'm not one of these people that are just a yes person and just go for it I will I remember I went up for Misfits and they put me up for a character that they had written to me like a white chav and I was like mm, uh, like ready to start and I was like can I just can I just ask um is this this character you've got, is this written for a black person? They were like, what do you mean? I was like, well, he's talking about sovereign rings, hair scraped up like a Croydon facelift, tracks, all these sorts of stuff. And I was like, mm. that don't sound like any yeah. person I know. And they were like, oh, okay. And then when the show came and then they made me audition for another character that sounded more like she could be black or mixed race, which she was. And then when it aired, it was played by a white girl and it made complete sense as to what that was. Mm. And, and it's not even just about, color in terms of a casting it's also about obviously like negative connotations like I'm not going up for the the crackhead mum I'm just not doing it anymore. yeah, yeah. I'm just like yeah. have we how we not seen enough of this and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen but I'm saying I'm not playing those roles anymore yeah I say anymore I've, I've never really played it but I'm not going up for those roles anymore and actually if it's a if it's a role that I don't like Nicole said that doesn't sit with me and I feel funny about it I'm not doing it I've, I'm privileged enough now that I've got to a stage where I can turn things down. Yeah. Because I'm not going to yeah. put myself through that. Knowing that you're going to do a, a, a role and people are going to talk to you. Like I remember when I did um, Brothers With No Game, it was great because I believed in the character Simone that I was playing. I liked how she was. And I had women on the street coming to me saying, oh my gosh, my son says I'm just like you. Or, oh my gosh, my boyfriend, like, like I really like your character. I'm like, yeah, you really speak for the, you know, and I'm, I was proud to wear that and to be that person, but mm. it's not always the case. And don't get me wrong. There are roles that like, they're great. Like I'm um, obviously like the help Viola Davis, you know, playing the help and you know, that her getting her, I think it was her first Oscar for that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it came within an, its story in its entirety made sense as to why she played that role. That made sense. But we're not seeing her do all that all the time. Do you know what I mean? She yeah, she's the diversity of roles that she's been able to play. She's not just playing one specific role all the time. Right. And I, I did... Yeah, oh, no, no. I, I was just going to say, like, the knowing and understanding and getting other people to understand that we are not one thing we are a monolith and also each actor is brings their own essence to something Mm. so it's like if you're going to uh I did turn something down quite recently actually because I wanted to and it was it was a great opportunity it was in the west end um I would have got loads of exposure but I didn't align with the production company um because of certain uh, ethics that they had and also I read the script and it was all of these jokes about like like all of these racial jokes which just I'm they're not funny for me Mm. (laughs) they're just not funny um and it was just a bit dated and it was very polished, very polished West End kind of thing. And instead I've decided to go to Scotland and work on another play, which is, uh, it's a comedy and it's a classic, um, but they've adapted it to modern day. 
and it's about the care system it's about dementia and it's something that's quite close to my um it's quite close to my heart so for me that was a bit of a no-brainer logically but then if you think about the dream and all of that stuff you know you want to be in the west end you want to be in london you want that exposure but it's kind of just like but i also don't want to feel exhausted and stressed and anxious and feel like i can't go to sleep at night because i'm doing this night after night saying these lines night after night when I feel like I'm like laughing at my community. (laughs) I don't want to feel like that. So yeah, there are times where I've turned things down. Um, But I think that what Danny was saying about going up for roles that are just pigeonhole you into certain things and that you can't Mm. do anything else. One thing about me is that I, I know and like sort of looking at the work that I've done as well I have always done things that have been like varied extremely varied in age in um in the type of theatre it is so whether it's comedy or whether it's drama or whether it's really heightened emotion um and the things that have made a difference to me about saying yes to something is how can I apply my experience to this character and color it with my experiences? How can I do that? And if I can do that with easy access, then that's something that I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go, I'm down. And if it's talking about something that I care about um, and something that I feel needs to be exposed and um, to an audience to make them think about how they navigate themselves in life then I feel like I've kind of done my job in that sense like and I feel in alignment Mm. um so yeah but knowing that we're not a monolith like yeah I I went up for a show that was that said it was West African they wanted a West African accent when I read the script it was written in it was written in like a Caribbean accent Oh, wow. just the way it was missing out words and words were and I and but so I was trying and I was like if I do this audition I'm going to look like a terrible actor but if I change the script to make it sound like West African they're going to be like can this actress not read the lines and so mm-hmm. I had to say I had to say to my agent I don't want to do this and she was like oh do you not want to do it because you're finding it difficult or you just don't want to do it and I was like I don't want to do it because the fact that you have people on this production that think it's easy to do that oh it's written in the Caribbean um do you know what? We'll just whack on West African. You'll be fine. You won't notice the difference. The fact that you just did that, you don't respect what the writer has done or the work they're trying to do. I don't mm. want to be part of that production. Yeah. And it was a big thing that was going to be filming across five different countries. It's going to be five months of filming. Great exposure. But I was just like, do will I be able to hold my head high and be proud of this? No. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to do it. Someone else can do that. And actually, I well, I haven't heard anything about it. I'm sure it should have been done by now. But I'm just like, I hope that someone either changed it or piped up and said something because I know no one on my side's anything. But yeah, I was just like, but it got green lit. I was just like, how are these things getting made and people are just making, you know, sweeping statements, just changing things like that? That's you're ta- you're disrespecting our communities differences by yeah. doing that. I think it, yeah. it kind of goes back to like what 
the question was earlier about how can we make how can those changes be implemented and it really is getting a I mean it's another buzzword but getting diverse creatives behind the camera because Mm. when you're going up for roles that aren't necessarily they're black but they're not then they might not be you you know Danny's not West African she's Jamaican and Bayesian but like she's a good enough actor to access that and to have the empathy and understanding of what it is to be a woman who's from West Africa so she could play that part right but it's like if you're a creative and you don't have the same understanding of okay well we need to make sure that the set design of this is West African and it's not Caribbean and understanding the difference between that. Some, mm-hmm. some, some creators will not understand that unless yeah, they, they have done the work to do that and or unless they are black, they're not going to, they're not going to know. So it's, it, it goes back to the question of really getting people who are from who black women, especially in those creative and like yeah those creative roles and in production as well yeah Um, a play that I did at the northern stage um it was called road and it was by Jim Cartwright and it was set in Lancashire and it was written for working class people from Lancashire but Mm. the director wanted to put this play on and she made a conscious decision to cast the actors uh some of the actors in this story um she decided to cast them as black and brown men and women because she wanted to make a statement and it was conscious and it was informed and also the language of the story completely changed when it came out of our bodies out of our Mm -hmm. voices because it just hit on certain on certain things that um, you wouldn't necessarily um have so it wouldn't have pinged out as much uh if it was from another actor who wasn't white uh, who wasn't black it's interesting so i think both of you have kind of highlighted that you've had the privilege of turning down roles and being very strategic and intentional about the types of um opportunities that you take up and just the the trajectory of your careers in general what's been the like the highlight of those careers what is the the most exciting and the most rewarding thing that you've done so far whether it's a particular role or a particular opportunity what would you say is kind of the peak of what you've done so far in your careers I've been I've been I'm gonna say lucky people say it's a lot but I have been I have been lucky in terms of doing Dream of Arts Black in terms of doing Brothers With No Game in terms of even the secret cinema job that I did where I played a, um, it was James Bond Casino Royale and I played a Nigerian woman that escaped to uh, Madagascar and then was living a life and selling secrets and fixing fights and interacting with audiences where it was, you know, it was um, devised so there's no script, you just create a story and go with it and then just go with that with the audience and then just take on whatever they give you and then I was able to go to China and then do that and then have to learn Mandarin as well and being like a Nigerian woman from Madagascar speaking Mandarin is just nuts but being able to have that experience and experience that culture and do all of that for free and get paid to do that and like 
you know, being part of Brothers in a Game was like one of the first web series that came out British, black, mm. funny, relatable, yeah. saying the things we want to say, being able to talk to the writers and the directors and say like, oh, I think this would happen here. And having a say as an actor, because you're all in this creative bubble together and then doing Dream and What's Black and what that stands for and being, again, proud to be a part of that and what that means and what that's saying about society and also being creative and still getting like, you know, the exposure and the money, but it all being symbiotic and all working together. Like, you know, I've been, it's this industry. I always live with the thing saying, um, part-time hours of full-time pay. I've wanted that. I've seen people and just been like, wow, they're rich. I want some of that. Like, why can't, you know, do I have to work in retail and work 40 hours or 42 hours a week and get paid 30 grand a year? Do I have to do that? Like, that's cool for some people, but I'm just like, boy, these people are getting 250,000 per episode. That's what I want. So that I want to do that. And the life that I want and the lifestyle I want, I want to be able to afford that. And this job can do that. But I'm also like with my, when you get to that sort of status and that influence, people listen. I'm not silly and under the illusion that if I'm not of some sort of notoriety that people will then, because people listen to people that are famous or that have some sort of influence, people listen. So I'm like, yeah, why not get to that point where people know me enough that I can then talk about FGM or I can then talk about abortions or I can then talk about things that matter that I see on a daily that gets ignored because no one quote unquote important is saying it enough so it doesn't matter well actually why don't I be someone important so when I do speak about it people do see that it matters so I don't take it for granted that as well as yeah the lifestyle and hey having an interview with Kevin Hart or with Leanne from Dope Black Women or <laughs> do you know what I mean all those sorts of things I don't take any of that for granted because I'm just like well yeah I'm moving up in the ranks to for me as a person to fulfill what I want to do is my storytelling but also then to have conversations that matter and change things and people listen so I think that's a beautiful thing and I think the the projects that I've worked on that have elevated me in all that I've just said like yeah those those are the ones that I've really enjoyed (laughs) amazing Nicole what's about you oh gosh um in terms of work or projects that I've worked on um yeah I did I did sort of touch on touch upon it earlier um I did a play called Road at the Northern Stage um and I met some amazing actors doing that project and I felt free on that stage I felt so free and and I was playing I played four different roles um one role I played like a 32 year old woman another role I played a 17 year old young woman um and then I played a 12 year old girl (laughs) and I also (laughs) played um yeah another woman in her 30s and I connected with all of those women every single night and I felt like I was when that show finished I felt like I was saying bye to them it was really it was such a yeah it was just such a beautiful beautiful experience as an actor I felt like I connected so much with those characters um and yeah for me I've I've I did some of my best work on that stage Mm. yeah so now you yeah go on Oh no, yeah. And for that, I 
I mean, for me, I'm always building on stuff. I remember certain points in my uh, journey as an actor and remembering, oh my God, I made a breakthrough there because I really, I found something different or I really connected with this text and what is it about this language I connected to? And I try to take that in, in different, in different work that I, um, sorry, not different work, but work that I do after that moment. So for me, that was something that I will carry with me into my next, um, you know, into my next project. You know, when you're blessed on a project, when you come into work and you're skipping to be working today. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's, I could, I struggled to do a nine to five to, to get up out of my bed at seven o'clock to be in work for nine o'clock. That was a struggle for me. Getting up at half three to four be in the morning yeah, yeah, to be on set for four <laughs> I'll skip like that's not yeah. a problem for me and that's another yeah. thing like working and it doesn't feel like work mm. where's where's the problem here like yeah, for sure for sure and Sorry. also another highlight is when I worked at the BBC on EastEnders I did one episode and it was like it was like my second job out of drama school oh wow but- I was I I felt really happy about it because I met the casting director a few I don't know maybe like a month or two before that and I I think we you know we did like general meetings and I read something from a play um like a monologue and she really liked it and whatever and I just thought oh that's good that's you know good practice I'm learning I'm learning and then like two three months later she contacts me and offers me a job and I was just like, whoa, this is, this is really cool. Like I've, I've just made an impression on somebody mm. and remembered me. Uh, and two, three months later, they've contacted me and offered me a job. Like that is, that's to know that you've made an impression like that on someone mm. is really humbling as well. I was going to say, what a blessing that is just to be able to not even be able to pick one thing that has absolutely gassed you you for your career. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Mm. Well, Mm. having been so lucky and obviously successful in both of your careers thus far, what's next? Like, what's the next step for both of you? Um, I'm a script editor on a Spotify podcast that should be coming out later this year. I just wrote a one-person show for a primary for for touring primary schools uh, for Black History, um, uncovering hidden figures in Black history in Britain. So that's really exciting. And then very working important. on very important, like again, just being mm. able to do work that transcends and sticks with people. I remember I did a mm. I did a production with someone and I and I was working with um, young boys and I taught one of the boys how to tie shoelaces he was 10 years old and still didn't know how to tie tie shoelaces and knowing that I said when I found out I was like by the end of filming today you're gonna know how to tie your shoelaces and he did and just knowing that I've taught him something that he will remember for the rest of his life Mm. like do you know what I mean that that and so when you do projects in schools or you work with young people and you get to find out how they are and how they think and then give them guidance and open up their minds by asking questions that they hadn't really considered before. And just knowing that that's the next generation that will one day run the country. Like we have to be aware when we're working with young people, when we're talking with young people, when young people have been exposed to things, mm-hmm. that's what they are. They're not just these little people that are just little people right now. They're going to be running government. They're going to yeah. be doing legislations. They're going to be in our speaking 
you know, other children and the next generation coming up. So mm. getting to do a show where loads of primary school children are going to be learning about these hidden figures in black history because the curriculum is poor. Um, is, <laughs> I feel very proud about that, very proud about that. But also feel very proud that I just, I'm again in a space where I don't have a writing agent, would like one if anyone's out there. Um, I don't have a writing agent, but it's really nice that I've been given projects where people come to me or say oh Danny can do that yeah you should get in touch with her like I couldn't tell you other than auditions I couldn't tell you the last time I actually interviewed for a job amazing that's crazy I've got because of recommendation um doing the Windrush I had to do 10 infomercials for the Windrush compensation yeah, scheme I remember you were doing that yeah 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 and like the, one of the videos that I did a spoken word piece that's I wouldn't say it's gone viral but like the fact that my mum's got it multiple times, people have come to me and like, oh, Danny, this has been sent to me. Like, I know it's getting around in the black communities. Therefore, I know the message is getting out there. That that stuff is important to me. Like my writing is as important, if not more so than my acting is, because I guess mm. it's my word. Say, yeah. Whereas acting, I'm conveying a story and getting that through. But writing, it's what I feel people should know about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm that- very excited about that young boy is going to see you on BBC later this year and be like, that woman taught me how to tie my shoelaces. And there's going to be that moment of like excitement and pride and inspiration that nobody will be able, able to take away from him. And that just is so amazing. And yeah, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah, that's, that is <laughs> Uh, what's next for me so I'm going to Scotland at the end of the month at Dundee Rep so that'll be fun I'm going to be doing a play um hasn't been an I don't think it's been announced yet so I don't think I can actually say but it's a subject matter that I really care about it's about the care system um so yeah I'm really looking forward to being in Scotland for a while I love Scotland man Wow, thank you ladies so much for joining me. This has been such an insightful conversation and I feel like it's really given us uh, an insight into what it's like to be a black creative. It's really actually nice to see that the camaraderie and the sisterhood that we emphasize at Dope Black Women has been or is kind of replicated throughout. And it's just a reminder to me that black women show up for each other wherever we are and whatever we're doing. And it's nice to see that that sisterhood between the two of you and that you feel that kind of support within your, you know, within the creative community. And so thank you for sharing your stories with us. I really, I really appreciate your transparency and just coming and, and sharing with us and let people know where they can find you on socials, all those agents that are going to be listening to this podcast. How do they get to <laughs> you? It's so funny. I was talking to Danny about this as well. I'm de- I don't have Instagram or anything like that right now, but I've got Twitter. Yeah, Twitter works. On Twitter um, at Nicole underscore Sawyer, S-A-W-Y-E double R. Um, so yeah, that's me on Twitter. And also... I'm represented by my acting agent, AHA Talent. Um, shout out to Chloe. She's the most, yeah, so supportive. So yeah, you can always contact her as well. Amazing. And Danny? Um, you can contact me. I feel like Twitter is Danny underscore Mosley and then Insta is just Danny Mosley. Um, or Nefertari. Um, I'm on um Insta as well. And then that's enough. 
So that's how you can get. That's that's you can, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Well, thanks so much for joining us, ladies. Thanks for everyone who's listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share, listen wherever you get your podcasts from. On Instagram, we are Dope Black Woman One, and on Twitter and Facebook, we're Dope Black Woman. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, stay blessed and unapologetically black. <laughs>